Welcome back to the Rec Center. He's Jack Ferris. I'm Lindsay Joy. And Jack, a big week in the TV world. Uh, We can catch up on life or we can just jump right into the biggest happenings in TV this week. The Bachelorette is back. Just kidding. Is it? It it starts. Yeah, it starts tonight. I don't worry. I won't be watching tonight, but I will be watching at some point this week. I actually am very excited for the season. Um, Last season was terrible. I I will actually start talking about the show if you let me. So I will stop myself now. You want to catch up on life? I have something really gross I should share with you Mm. that I just realized. So I just got back to the gym. My new thing at the gym is because it gets cold here now, as soon as the sun goes down, uh, when I'm done, I'll take off my sweaty shirt and I'll just carry that home and I'll put on whatever sweatshirt with no shirt underneath. You know what I mean? I know it's gross, but it's so much more comfortable. And I just realized, cause I, you know, got in, sat down without showering to record. I don't know where I put that shirt. <laughs> it might be on a San Francisco city bus. Um, so that's gross. And I apologize to SFMTA, San Francisco mm-hmm. Municipal Transit Authority. What kind of shirt is it? So the people of San Francisco who listen to this podcast can be on the lookout. Bolo. What shirt was it? Oh, you know, I think it was a coaches versus cancer Gonzaga shirt. So that's a bummer. That's a go-to gym shirt for sure. If anyone sees it. Sad. At, I was just at Jay Ferris 714. Because I was just, yeah, we had, we started and I was like, oh, wait, where did I put that shirt? Like, I I hope I didn't put it on my bed or something gross like that. And I'm looking around and I can't find it. So it's out there somewhere. Drench. We're talking 100% saturation of sweat. Okay. All right. Well, in slightly less gross news, Succession is back. Anything else you want to talk about the gym? How did elliptical? We're still doing elliptical? Still doing elliptical. Can't run. Yeah. It's done. Running's done. Forever? I, I mean, I think so. Every time I do run, I feel it for ever and not in the good way feel it in the like oh my god i'm gonna break my back again way on a scale of one to tiger woods before this most recent accident where are you on the back surgery scale now did you get the full tiger woods no i don't we've both had three disc disectomies he's had a fusion i've never i haven't had a fusion okay so the goal Um, is to never get to the fusion well, I'm going to have a fusion at some point in my life, That, but I, I, the goal is to have it on the other side of 40. Okay. We're getting... To, so we're going to hold on. Which, by the way, I had this conversation with a uh, shout out to Haley Doma, who listens to this. 34. She just turned 34 a week ago, two weeks ago. Uh, it just sounds a lot older than 33. And you can do that with pretty much any age. We all did it in our 20s, like oh, 25, halfway. Through. Like you can really do this with any age, but I mean, there's just something about 34 that sounds a lot older than 33. Yeah, as a kid, 34 is an age where you're divorced with kids, then you're remarried, and you have another kid. You're on your second family at 34. Jack and I are just podcasting about TV and leaving shirts on city buses? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, anyway, succession. Anyway, Succession. Um, this is obviously the first time they've done an episode called Secession. Why did I say that so weird? Um, obviously, it made more sense in the context of where we're at in this world. So I just, I told you before we started recording, I actually fell asleep when I was watching the season premiere because it came on not late, but late for me now. And what I was going to do was watch kind of the last few episodes of season two. This is the season three premiere, obviously watched the last few episodes of season two. So I felt like fully caught up on where we were at, but I honestly think I remember everything. The end of season two was so good. I just wanted to watch the yacht opposite episode again, honestly. Um, and I, I just ran out of time. Um, but I was obviously very excited. I, I fell asleep because I was tired, not because it was boring. So premiere episode, I'm actually just going to read what I have written down because I have one note. And then I'm going to let you take the floor and I'll kind of bounce back off that. But the only note I have is male shaving cream is better and cheaper than women's shaving cream, which Kendall with his ex was like, those are, I saw the male razors. Who are those? Don't tell me they're cheaper. What am I not paying you enough for gender appropriate (laughs) razors? (laughs) So here's the thing. I actually, I actually don't think razors. I don't think male razors are better. 
but your shaving cream is so much better than ours. It lasts three times as long and it is more effective. It doesn't smell like strawberries or whatever, but what do you mean it lasts? It's like a long. Life how long, how so, long do you need shaving cream to last? Like you're not getting a new can of shaving cream every month or whatever. Oh, 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 oh. I was going to say. Okay. okay. It, there's just something about like products that are made specifically for men that just happen to be seemingly more efficient than for women a lot of times. It just happens that way. And shaving cream is one of those things. Like women, if you're not using Gillette, whatever men's shaving cream, it, it will just save you so many trips to the grocery store. I also don't do a ton of grocery shopping, but like just in general, if you're looking to save some trips, that's my life hack. And thank you to Kendall Roy for pointing that out for me. It's funny because now that you mentioned it, I have a can of Barbasol that I think my grandfather passed down to me and it will outlift me. When, when you're a girl and you have, what what are our brands called? I don't even know. Um, the, the flowery stuff, whatever it is, that can will be gone in like three weeks. So it's bad for the environment. That's like straight. I guess you can recycle that now. Is it aluminum? Um, probably. I'm not. I full disclosure probably haven't recycled a can of shaving cream before, but I, I totally what? start now. It's like the most easily recyclable thing you it's like straight metal. <laughs> it's not like a cardboard box, but also it's I feel like in the bathroom you're less conscious of recycling because you just throw it in the bathroom trash. Anyway, we are so far off topic. The moral of the story. Women start buying men's shaving cream. That was my takeaway from the succession episode one. Do you want to jump into your takeaways? I feel like you want to say something else about the shaving cream. Well, no, I just, it, it's just to your point, what makes succession so great is it's, you know, overall, it's a horrifying drama. It's Shakespearean um, in nature. You know, this is a, a theme told a million times. Uh, a king is dying or close to death and how is the kingdom going to be split up? But what makes the show so great is all those tiny little conversations when you put the the magnifying glass to the show. That's what it's made up of. It's a drama made up of comedy bits. Um, the When Alan Ruck's character, Connor, is telling his girlfriend, like, hey, listen, the, your play is so bad there's a chance we can get a little bit of return, like ironically pushing it, like kind of the room kind of deal. Like it, you won't be able to sit through it. Um, I don't understand. I, I love hanging out with these people, the actors. Okay. Um, and it, which is funny because they're just, they're awful, awful people. So the cliffhanger of course was finally, um, Kendall Roy, uh, stood up for himself. He's been trying to do it for the first two seasons. He finally did it season two finale. And you think, okay, great. This guy's got a plan. Like, let's see. I'm excited to see what his plan is to take down his father and the empire. Um, He's got no plan. Like to him, you could tell the mountain was just standing up to his dad at the press conference, not actually standing up to his dad. He was braver in front of a bunch of cameras and a room full of reporters than he ever has been or probably will be in a room with his father, if that makes sense. But to him, he did it. And now it's, it's all sunshine and rainbows. When in fact, like sitting in the room or his ex-wife's living room, you can tell, and all of his lieutenants can tell, this guy has absolutely no plan. You don't know who to root for. Right now, who would you, who would you hit your wagon to? It's, in like one verse two. So in Kendall yeah. versus dad, is it, there's yeah. no, like, I can't be on Kendall Roman's, versus, I can't Kendall be on Roman's dad, team. Can, yeah, of course. But <laughs> even Roman's, Roman's an asshole. Well, that's the thing. Um, so, so, okay. But, okay. But just for the sake of argument, one or two, Logan or Kendall. Um, I'm rooting for, I find my, like, in all honesty, I find myself rooting for Logan at this point, but, oh really? but I was really happy when, Kent, like when the end of like how season two ended with the press conference, I was just happy with the anarchy of that. And I was kind of like, cool, we're getting some kind of a takedown. I think since the beginning of the show, I've been rooting for Kendall. the succession to happen, like yeah. to, for, for Logan to go away, to be removed by the board, to, to whatever, all those different times I was rooting for Kendall. But I think at this point, I think this episode specifically, I found myself rooting for Logan and like the crew that he has with him. That's the other thing too, is it's not really divided equally. 
like one part of the family's coming together and then look and then Kendall's in New York or do they film in New York by the way? Anyway, whatever. Uh, I think they film in New York. I think they definitely shoot in Toronto. Okay. Okay. I've heard that. Um, so yeah, there's not, it's, I mean, that's the other thing I like about the show is it's kind of there, there are teams, but it's also every man for himself in, in like such a drastic way at this so, point. So what I, my favorite part of this show is these people are awful. They're so detached from reality. Um, and just when you think you have a, you're, there's some kind of humanity in, in any of them, they completely show you the other side of it. So there's regular people in the show that are like barometers of how a normal person should act. Um, in this past episode, a good example is Kendall's um, ex-wife. Okay. Mm-hmm. She, Kendall has been an absolute terror to her and her children for their entire lives. Um, she opens the door, allows him in. They haven't seen each other in a while. Maybe he's doing better. Maybe he's not doing as much cocaine. Great. Come in, use my house as your war room or whatever. And then there's this scene when he's like, Hey, um, I know this is weird, but can I have, is my girlfriend allowed over? We're going to hang out. And she's like, yeah, no, no, of course. And then he's like, look at us. We're being mature, blah, blah, blah. And then immediately he's like, Oh, by the way, like, who are you sleeping with? What is that about? You know what I mean? The, that's like, when the razors come. That's up. the razor yeah. conversation. And then, and then minutes later, um, was it Naomi Pierce, who's another billionaire? She's part of the Pierce family, the the rivals from season two, or not the rivals? They were trying to absorb the Pierces. Um, but she comes in, who she also is a recovering drug addict. Um, she doesn't just grab a bottle of wine to drink with Kendall. She grabs a Magnum, which any alcoholic out there, or you know, function alcoholic understands a magnum's enough for two people. Um, and she, Kendall's ex-wife is horrified that that was a gift from her godfather. Uh, Greg is caught in the middle. He's like, Oh, and you feel like this poor woman's having this moment. You're like, Oh my God. Like I can't imagine. Meanwhile, Kendall comes in, Naomi comes in and they could not care less. They're so, they're over it. Uh, they continue to drink the wine. Any human emotion to, to I don't know what her character's name is, would be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, n- neither of them even apologize. They just continue to drink the wine. And then Kendall goes like to Greg when both the women leave the room. How about this? Be just surrounded by incredibly powerful women. Like, I got to be d- doing something right. Uh, and then earlier when he has that, like, it's supposed to be a plus, um, PR team in and they're sitting down and he's like, I want my uh, tweets to carry some fire. You know, I want him to have some pizzazz. And she says one thing and he completely like bur- insults her by saying something else. And she goes, fuck you. And he goes, yeah, fuck you. Anyway, you're here because you're the best. Like, let's do this. And she if she had any kind of integrity, if she had any kind of pride in what she did, she would have said, this is fucking ridiculous. Like you just insulted me in our first meeting. Like I, we, I will not work with you, but she doesn't, she says, no, we're with here. We're with you because I think you can win. She's blinded by the money. So that like everyone is falling victim to the, the potential dollar signs at the end of the road with the Roy's and they completely sell themselves out. Uh, and I think that's fascinating to watch. And another example is when uh, two of the lieutenants, Carl and and who's the other guy? I, I'm so bad with character names. Carl and you know who I'm talking about the two old Carl and Frank. They're sitting, they're sitting in one part of the jet talking about um, you know where they're going to end up and all of this, and and Logan's in the other, the front part, and. I could, you could see their friends, you know, they've, they've been through some battles together. They're talking about how nuts this is. Logan calls them up and mentions that he's looking for a new CEO and they both kind of indirectly make cases for themselves and they both immediately cut each other down. And it's just, it's nuts. Once you're near one of the power players, one of the power brokers, one of the big Roy's, like it's every man for himself, like you were saying earlier and all your earlier connections all your 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 relationships 
are on the back burner. They come secondary or they don't even exist because they're so blinded by a potential success. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too into the weeds, but I, I, I love it. I and mean, it's all made up of like these one liners that are just to die for. Yeah. The writing and just the comedy and like the acting is <laughs> uh, Culkin, Kieran Culkin. Wait, that's the right Culkin, right? Kieran. Kieran yeah. yeah. Is I find him to be so hilarious. Like the acting is perfect. This show is so, is just casted so well and has been great from day one and only gets better. That's what I tell people about succession. It's so rare for a show to get better every episode. And I really think the show has done that. And it's also so rare for a show to nail the terrible people, but you're still kind of rooting for them and you still like watching them kind of thing because they are very clearly terrible people. And there are a lot of shows about terrible people and you don't root for them and you don't want to hang out with them. And I don't necessarily want to hang out with everyone in the Roy family. Believe me, I would like to hang out with a few of them, like maybe some Shiv, Tom, cousin Greg, but I also feel like everyone has their own people that they like who you would could tolerate to hang out with. I think every, if you ask 10 people, they would have a different answer. Some people might be like, Oh yeah, I'd rather like get a drink with Kendall. And for me, it's cousin Greg. Like, I, for sure. I think that's what makes the show so realistic too, though, because I think a lesser show, maybe a show 10 years ago, would have a clear-cut fan favorite. Like, Kendall Roy would be... Uh, he would be a great guy. He would he would have a troubled past. Maybe he is a recovering alcoholic. But the show would go out of its way to, like, show you that he's the one to root for. He would be idealistic. You know what I mean? He would treat people correctly. Um, but the show doesn't do that. It, yeah, it shows think, that everyone's kind of out for themselves, which I mean, everyone at the end of the day kind of is out for themselves. Yeah. And I think that you could make the argument that Shiv is the one that's the closest to that, but no, the she, way but Shiv, she, she, I was going to say, the way she, her husband, I know the way she treats Tom. Yeah. Like constantly. Shiv's, Shiv's worst. But, uh, Shiv might be the worst of the kids. Well, but that's, but that's why I think the show is interesting. Cause I think that I would argue that. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know. Karen Culkin's pretty bad. But anyway, I, I think that like you can make an argument both ways for a lot of people. I think Kendall is is pretty bad, but with Shiv, there are moments where it feels like you're supposed to root for her. But then, yeah, the way she's the way she is to Tom, she's just there's like a weird naivete. Uh, she's a little naive when it comes to is she going to be the successor? Like she definitely has moments where it feels like uncharacteristically naive, but it also works i'm not like oh that character would never do that but i don't know she kind of goes back and forth the point is that everyone's she seems the most um confident and the most what's the word i'm looking for i poured myself a whiskey before we did this and i haven't had any water since my since my gym so i'm like feeling it but um anyway i completely cut you off to the point you were trying to make you should Definitely drink some water. And the thing I was going to say about Shiv is that she underestimates, I don't want to say her father's misogyny, but the part on the plane when he's like, we probably want a woman. So Shiv or Jerry and no, we want experience. So Jerry or Roman, did he say Roman? He said someone, he said Jerry and someone, it, it wasn't Shiv. I don't know. It just, the way that he, he writes her off very easily. I will say this. I, this show better, Logan said he was going to step down and name a new CEO. That better happen episode two or episode three, because uh. we've, we've been, he's been talking about this for two seasons. The first two seasons has been, he's going to step down. Who's it going to be? I don't know if I could do a whole nother season of that. So that's one thing I will say, I, and I'm, I'm behind on billions i have not watched the season finale yet um that is one thing the billions does really well is they burned through plot lines so quickly there was no when is this ever going to happen like what i don't want to spoil all the things but they're they burned through that kind of stuff so fast they were not afraid they did not hold stuff for later and i do think one thing with succession is i could see this I could see holding this, I step down, I name a new CEO, or he does that now and then goes back on it right away or something. I could, I could easily whoever, see them stretching this yes. out. Whoever will be the next CEO 
or the interim CEO, I do think it'll be someone like Jerry. And it leads you to believe that it's going to be Jerry. Well, it's kind of said it's Jerry, but it's going to be a puppet CEO, right? And and he'll be pulling the spring the the strings. Um, don't you agree though that I think I've mentioned it a couple of times? Billions is a couple of years older than Succession, and Succession is the show that Billions wants to be. I don't disagree that Succession is a better billions show. is billions is billions is cotton candy it's frivolous well like you said there's there's plot lines characters come and go there's there i think there's more there's i think there's more substance i feel there's more substance than you're giving you credit for i do understand criticism of billions i do understand your the heart the heart of billions this is why fundamentally I, I i just am opposed to billions the heart of billions is a will they won't they between a male character and a female character that's so lazy are you seeing Winnie and X? Yeah. Disagree. That's not the heart of the show. That, that's an overarching theme. Um, but I think they that there's way more nuance to their relationship than that. And I think I if, totally if you but, but but I agree, there's more nuance, but it's a will they won't they. I it is. I disagree with that as a read, and I also think the way that that relationship played out. I actually think they did a really good job with it. And like at times the relationship was mature and at times it was immature and acts was like sabotaging things. And, and I just, um, I disagree with that. I also, so it's like, will they, or in other times, won't they? No, I, um, I just think there's way more. I think, I think that relationship was way, way more layered than you're giving it credit for. I also, do you know the newest like casting development? No, I don't care. Damien Lewis, Damien, he left the show. So he's, and I, I haven't seen the finale. I, I was told that the Good finale for him. is left. Smart. But it's weird. I don't understand if, I don't understand how the contracts there worked because technically he should be signed up to do another season. But so he's done. And then Corey Stoll is the new lead character. Love um, Corey Stoll. I love Corey Stoll too, but I don't know if I'm going to watch Billions without Damien Lewis. I watch Billions for X. I don't watch it for Corey Stoll. I love Corey Stoll. I don't watch it for him. He's great in the show, but I don't want to watch a show about him. I don't want to watch a show about his character. Anyway, we've gone from succession to billions. Um, again, one of my favorite things about that show is how quickly they burned through things. They did not hold on to anything aside from the Wendy and Axel there, won't they? But they didn't hold on to anything. They resolved everything very quickly and moved on to the next thing. And that's one thing with succession. I just am interested to see where this goes because I don't know. But I know that I will enjoy it along the way. I really enjoyed this episode i told you i didn't have as many thoughts as you but i did still have thoughts do you have anything else before we move on to other shows no yeah like i said i i hope this whole season isn't again who is logan gonna name as his successor or as his ceo uh and i i recognize that the name of the show is succession but come on we gotta we gotta develop here he's gotta make a decision He's 80 years old. He's an 80-year-old man. Well, he almost died. He's 80. I guess now he'd be like 82, 83 because the, the pilot is his 80th birthday. Is it? I don't remember. Yeah. I watched yeah. it so long ago. But I do want to watch the back half of season two and then um, fully be caught up on all the plot lines. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, simple enough. I am excited to watch the show every week. It's something I will watch typically on Sunday nights when it comes out. And there are not a lot of shows that are like that for me. I'm watching a lot of week to week shows right now, which has hindered this podcast for me. Like the shows that I watch for this podcast, because I feel like I have to check back on my Hulu and be like, okay, let me watch the newest episode of only murders. Let me watch the new episode. So it's been not a ton of binging. I have not yet watched squid game, the squid game, squid game, which I will. I just haven't had time to do an eight hour show that we've already talked about. Anyway, what is your first wreck of the week? Because I only have two. Uh, um, dope Sick. It's fabulous. So Dope is Sick it? on Hulu. Yeah. No, I had the same kind of reaction. For those of you who are listening, which is everybody, Lindsay gave like a sour face. Um, okay. I'll, I'll put this disclaimer on it. Opioid abuse in this country is very, very bad and very, very serious. That being said, I was when this show was first being ever was popping out, 
I was like, ah, really? We're doing a we're doing a mini series on the rise of Purdue and how West Virginia is dying of OxyContin. I gave the pilot a shot because I love Michael Keaton and I was rewarded. It's it's pretty well done. Very uh non-linear storytelling. Um but they don't they dumb it down just right. Uh, there's like a 1996 storyline going on. There's like a 2002 storyline going on. And I think there's as recent as um, just like uh, seven, eight years ago or something like that. And what they do is they like have a t- in between scenes. They it's a novel idea. They put up the date. So you understand where you're at. Um, Michael Keaton has done something in the last 10 years and and I can't put my finger on it, but he has transitioned into uh, one of my favorite actors, top 10. He plays a uh, lowly, I shouldn't say lowly, but he's a uh, family practice doctor in the middle, middle of nowhere, West Virginia, coal town. And one of the other leads um, is the young woman who is working as a minor and she messes her back up. There is a fresh faced young, um, pharma sales guy who is pushing Oxycontin. It's a miracle drug, all that. So there's that storyline going on. There's Rosario Dawson who, uh, works for the DEA who is just like, figuring out that this is heroin. And then uh, the third story is Purdue itself and how Oxycontin came to be uh, the big pharmacy. And that is the head of Purdue is played by his name escapes me. Hold on one second. Uh, While you're, uh, do- I was going to say, why are you Googling? Let me just say, did you ever, you watch the whole HBO? I think it was like two parter, the, the doc. Um, yeah, no, I couldn't watch it because it got too heavy. And I was like, I've seen this a million times. Michael Stolberg, Stolberg who if you, can't, if you don't recognize that name, Google him. You'll know. He's the he's the bad guy in Your Honor. Never watched it. You never watched Your Honor? You gave it a bad review and I was busy. Oh, yeah. I didn't so, love Your Honor. <laughs> um, I just breathed very heavily into the microphone. Sorry for our listeners. I... I hear this and I just, you you said you watched the doc and you're like, I've heard this story before. That's how I feel when I hear that. Like when I yep. heard Dope Sick was a show, I was like, yep. I've heard this story before. I've spent four hours watching the documentary. Totally I agree. Know, totally I know agree. This, the story. Totally agree. It's it's very good. Okay. The way they do it is is very well done. I, uh, I highly recommend it. I'm only two episodes in, but uh, I'm invested in all the characters. It is supremely directed. The... Um, the guy who sells the Oxycontin is Will Poulter. Do you know Will Poulter? Sounds familiar. Um, you'd know him immediately when you saw him. Uh, We're the Millers. He's the kid, with the Maze Runner. I just, Midsommar. He's like the clown in Midsommar. Mm. Uh, he's in the Revenant. He's like the good kid in the Revenant who's like trying to save Leo. I never you know, saw the. I never saw the. Remote. You'll know him. You'll absolutely know him. So yeah, I know the name's very familiar. Um, what's again? When I said I'm watching a ton of week to week shows, it's because Hulu will not just release their content into the world the way Netflix does. Is this a week to week show? Like, is this even all out yet? There's, there's four episodes out, and there's probably like six, eight, ten, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just I need to know that now. Although I guess as I sit here and say I don't have enough time to binge watch anything, I am still a little. Um, annoyed that I couldn't just binge only murders in the building that I've had to revisit that. Mm. Um, okay. So stars and any final thoughts on dope sick? Uh, two episodes in, I might be overrating it just because like we were talking about my, and my expectations were on the ground before I watched it, but uh, I'm going to give it a four and a half. Wow. I really, really like it. That technically ties the highest rating we've ever given because we've still never given anything five stars. No, no, no. Never will. I will when the right thing comes along. So I'm not as harsh of a critic 
um, I think as we've established, I'm going to pop into my next one, which is you. (laughs) Did you watch any of you? Uh, I feel like I've seen the world. I've seen the first season. I've seen the lifetime season. Yeah. Which by the way, one thing I don't understand and I should have Googled is this season also dips to black as if there were commercials, as if it was on lifetime. However, to my knowledge, it's just Netflix fully took over production of this, which means there should be no commercial breaks at all because it's not produced for TV anymore. There are no, I'm very confused about why there are seemingly commercial breaks in season three of you. I don't think this show airs on lifetime anymore. I don't know if, if ever, if everyone knows that, that it was originally a lifetime show went to Netflix became the monster that it is. Speaking of the monster that it is, this season is, is really bad. I'm like, five or six episodes in I think there's 10 I I might punt um there's a show I was watching that I just remember having the note down like the body count of this show is so unnecessarily high and that is how I feel about you season three. Oh, are they just killing people left killing and right people now? left and right yeah left and right and it's it, it honestly it happened to how to get away with murder was a great show but then they had to keep murdering someone every single season and it just got too ridiculous like i people liked you because it was campy because it was over the top they're so and there's far a little, over the top you can suspend a certain amount of disbelief when you're watching shows like this but if you're killing people like every four weeks there's no way you're getting away with that and that's what we're doing on the show and it's because my again we're all here suspending disbelief we are willing to do it for these shows with this how many people around this couple have to die before someone starts asking questions and i don't know that's that's part of the problem with this show with this season from an is this interesting television the the show only really has two characters and then the people they murder. So you're only ever with Joe, uh, Penn Badgley, or Love, whose name I don't know. I apologize to the actress. You're, you only ever see those two people. There are no scenes without them. There are no neighbors, friends. There are no secondary tertiary plot lines. The only plot line in the entire show is they killed another person and they're covering it up. Two episodes later, they killed another person and they're covering it up. Two episodes. And it's just like in season one, there was like a little bit of that over the course of one season, not every two episodes. So it's just like, why are we? I do think there was a world in which you could have just done this season with one murder. And I just don't understand. Again, they they just were like, what? What people love about the show is the fact that it's campy and over the top. So let's just turn that up to a thousand. And I really think they could have turned it down a little bit. I think one person in the writer's room to say, can we just tone it down a little bit would have helped the show a lot because I watched season one. I liked it. I don't remember if I liked season two, but I was like fully willing to watch season three. I think I did like season two. And then season three is just like, I really might have to punt. So if you like absolutely love the show and can't wait to binge it again fine know that it's not like good but i do think at this point people just like this character which is is weird because again you're getting so much of this guy but there it's pretty much a dexter ripoff from the season one that i saw did you ever watch dexter yes with, um, with like the, with the, with the I, he's 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 kind of off in the interior monologue and uh he's never killing like great people he's definitely killing bad people no that's well yeah i mean i guess it okay like there's a gray area there i was gonna say the the first person that's killed actually i mean the second person that's good so like there's an anti-vax storyline and they kill huh. an, they kill an anti-vaxxer that's um, so crazy that there's already that out on netflix so covid is like an unnecessary plot point in this show there was because so we've talked about billions they had to film with masks on i think or they chose to which is super weird um or we've talked about shows where you can tell people filmed six feet apart like you can tell they were filming in restaurants where they would just space the tables out and stuff Mm -hmm. that's because of what the laws were at the time depending on what city you were filming in 
you just chooses to say the word COVID like five times an episode. And the anti-vax storyline isn't about the COVID vaccine. It's about a different vaccine, but it's like, we all know what they're talking about. And it's just so the decision-making that went into making this season of the show is, is baffling and it's bad. Um, it's just, it's not good TV. I'm going one and a half stars. I mean, I made it to episode six. Um, I think I do keep waiting for it to get better and I might try to finish it at some point, but I'll go one and a half. I, <laughs> I have some of his horrible quotes written down. He didn't know there was a library in his town because he's like anti-internet guy. And it's just like, that doesn't make you cool. That makes you dumb and unable to take advantage of like the modern society that's actually good for you. Just he Google. didn't know there was a library? Yeah, there's like a comment where he's like, I follow- would, what? I would argue if you weren't an internet guy, you would be hyper aware of libraries. So the point is that he loves libraries because he's remember season yes, one, he works in a book bookstore yeah, yeah. and he it becomes obsessed with this woman in like the very, this first episode, not spoiling anything. He becomes obsessed with the woman, follows her and is like his inner monologue. Like you mentioned is like, Ooh, look at you. Like you're so smart. I didn't even know this godforsaken town had a library. And it's like, if you were sitting at home and you were bored and miserable and you hated this town and you were like, I want to pick up a book, you would just type library into your Google Maps and you would find the library. It is not hard. It's just For, like... I mean, if you wanted to know anything without the internet, you would gravitate towards the library. I just... it's He's like the worst person and not in a Kendall Roy way. Like he is the most... And like, whatever for whatever reason, the show decided to make itself a commentary on influencers and internet culture. Season two was very heavy into TikTok. Uh, I guess not TikTok, like Instagram and how teens use Instagram. And I don't, season one had it too. Anyway, you're not giving us thought provoking commentary on social media. You're not like this. It's written by like, I don't know if it's 50 year olds or just like written by old people who don't know how to use the internet and like what their kids tell them about the internet. Like this is not thought provoking commentary on social media in any way, shape or form. It's horrible. Sorry. One, one, we're, I just took it down one star. <laughs> it gets one yeah. star for me. Go one star, on, your for next you. one. Um, I ventured to the cinemas this past weekend uh, where I saw the newest Ridley Scott period epic, the last duel. I, watched it. I let it wash over me. I went home thinking that was pretty good. I woke up thinking the next morning. Yeah, I really liked it. That was good. That was solid. Um, for those of, I will say sad state of affairs. It's a Ridley Scott epic based in medieval France with both Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Oh, by the way, Adam Driver and Jodie Comer. Like, you can't name hotter celebrities than Adam Driver and Jodie Comer. Define speaking, hot. Speak, Define hot. Uh, speaking in a career sense. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I was going to argue Adam Driver with no, you. No, no, Jody, no. Jodie Comer I, is 10 out of 10. I, I, both, in both meanings of hot. Sure. Um, it's a great movie. It's a $100 million movie that I think made less than $10 million in the box office this past weekend. Are you looking that up? Am I right or wrong? No. I, do you want me to Google the box office number? I was uh, making yeah, an, Google the box office number. Making a note about your internet. So for those, for those of you who don't know, which I guess is a lot of you, um, it's a great movie. It's about the last sanctioned duel in Western civilization uh, between a... French knight and a squire uh, in which the French, the, the well, they're both French, in which the knight's wife accuses the squire of raping her. And, uh, you know, he denies it. It's he said, she said, uh, Matt Damon's character, who is the knight, challenges Adam Driver's character, who is the squire, to a duel. And a duel hasn't been 
sanctioned by in like 50 years at this point. So it goes all the way to the king and the king's like, yeah, do it. Sure. You guys duel and whoever won is telling the truth. And if Adam Driver's character wins, uh, Jodie Comer's character will be burned alive at the stake because she will have been proven a liar. And so the stakes are high, as high as you can go. Um, I will say this. I hate, 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 hate the new trend in movies where you start with like some really awesome, sexy part of the movie and then go back to like, you know, six months earlier or like two weeks earlier, five days earlier kind of thing. Uh, he Ridley Scott does it in this movie and boy, oh boy, is it effective. It starts with like the minutes leading up to the duel and it's awesome. And then it's the three acts are the three points of view of uh, the events leading up to the quote-unquote rape. I'm putting that in quotes to not ruin it for people. And um, then the the climax is obviously the aftermath once you've heard all three stories of the three parties involved. Uh, and then you, you are into it. You are fully invested in the duel by the time the duel rolls around. Very well done. Do you want the box office numbers? Yeah, what they make? Four point eight million. Yeah, less than five million. That's so, crazy. And it was a hundred million dollar uh, film to make, and I mean, like the budgets for the salaries for this had to be massive. Okay, what, but getting... generally, the rule of thumb is, if you don't make your money back in the opening weekend with these movies, it's a loss. Yeah, well, Think about yeah. how crazy so, that is. What I was going to say is, Halloween Kills, the Jamie Lee Curtis movie. Made fifty million dollars. Yeah, people are dumb. It's sad. I, I. This is a big pumpkin patch weekend. I've talked about this with uh, my girlfriends. I feel like the everyone and their mother went to a pumpkin patch last weekend. So was everyone just in the Halloween spirit? And instead of seeing the last duel, they were like, "Let's go to a Halloween movie." Like, is that what happened? Because that movie does Halloween Kills does not look good. Not I mean, awful. it can't be good. There's no way it's good. I just, um, but. Yeah, it just bums me out. Like, and this is a very specific kind of movie. I, I think it's not Gladiator, in which Gladiator had mass appeal. And what I mean by that is like a 10-year-old could see it and love it. A 35-year-old woman could see Gladiator and love it. And a 85-year-old man could see Gladiator and love it. Um, a 15-year-old is going to be bored of this movie because it is heavy dialogue. Uh, but just about everyone, every adult south of 70 should really like this movie. And why I say south of 70 is because north of 70, a lot of older people might think it's being the movie's too woke and preachy. Um, trust me, if I thought this movie was too woke and preachy, I would have no problem saying it. They tow the line a couple of times, a couple of times it very like. A couple of times, the dialogue feels like, all right, well, now I'm taken out of mid-century or uh, medieval France and I'm back in 2021 because th- that was so obviously like a commentary on what's going on today. But they never fully cross that line. So I think it's very well done. Did you know that Ridley Scott also directed House of Gucci, which is coming out yep. in soonish and is also starring Adam Driver? Speaking of 80-year-old men, what a treasure we have with Ridley Scott, him and Michael Keaton. I might actually see House of Gucci. That might be the first movie I see this year. So this one was um, not in the not streaming at all. This is strictly in theaters. Got to go see it. Which is crazy because it still didn't do any numbers. Like it didn't no. get. I it's on. You can't sh- name. You can't name as far as a cast goes. Can you think of a movie with four bigger movie stars? contemporary there's there's like an avengers movie somewhere to be yeah but that's okay well i i don't know i I, this is not the right argument for me i'm not good at this but yes i mean some avengers movie has like all those people but no i i in like matt damon and ben affleck did a ton of press although i think damon did more press for this than ben affleck did but i i do feel like it was 
much discussed. And I have seen that promo. It's on, it airs during sports a lot because I've seen that promo very often. I just never thought to go see the movie. It definitely feels like a dude movie when you see a preview of it. Trust me. Chicks would take this movie. It's a lady movie. Okay. What are your yeah. stars? I'll go four. Okay. You're very positive. Positive week. Positive I week. just realized I'm entirely negative because this next one is one stars for me. Do you want to say anything else about uh, Ridley Scott? Ooh, I last don't. Duel. Last duel. I do not. Okay. So I tried to watch a show that is on Peacock and it's called One of Us is Lying. And it is a based on a book that's like a teen um, murder mystery kind of. But despite the fact that it's sort of for teenagers, I'm very much the target audience for this show. It it has like cruel summer vibes. It also has gossip girl vibes. There's a gossip website in a high school that spills everyone's secrets. And the person who runs that website turns up dead in detention. And there's, it's very breakfast club. There's four people in detention with him that come from very different backgrounds and have different secrets and who's the one that killed him, blah, blah, blah. So this, the setup of the show is actually really interesting. I don't know what's going on with Peacock where their content is horrible. Like it, the acting is better in a lifetime movie. The casting is better in a lifetime movie. Like the Sorry to these teenagers, but the casting is so distracting. I couldn't keep watching the show. I don't understand how the casting can be this bad. Again, for for Gossip Girl, the reboot, like I know you didn't watch that, don't care, but people had their different takes on the actual reboot. The Gossip Girl reboot casting was phenomenal. Like those teenagers are top of the line. I mean, I actually don't know if they're teenagers, they're probably 24. Top of the line, phenomenal casting. Great job. I don't understand how something can be that good. And then this Peacock show can be that bad. Peacock, I, they have no budget, I guess. Like, is it is it just shows that NBC was like, this is so bad. We can't put this <laughs> on our network. We just have to put it on Peacock. I mean, they cuss and there's like mature storylines. They couldn't put it on NBC. That reminds I mean, me of what you said. That, what he said about Peacock is, are you watching uh, the morning show? No, I've thought about it. I they make a lot of so the the fictional um, network that they're on is UBC. Okay. And so, but they make a lot of jokes about UBC Plus. It's oh. like the Peacock. Well, it's it's pretty good. So that's the thing is like the Paramount Plus. I think is also Paramount Plus has not yet put anything on there that made me actually download Paramount Plus. So maybe Peacock is a step ahead because I have watched multiple shows on Peacock. Um, the, the show I did recommend from there is girls five Eva, and I do still recommend that, but everything else I've watched on Peacock has been either bad or terrible. And one of us is lying is terrible. Are you like going to the bathroom? No, I'm putting, uh, uh, I'm getting dinner started because I'm okay. starving. We're starting dinner, um, here on the podcast. I, I don't have a lot to say about this show other than the ingredients were all there. And the one ingredient was just the casting. The writing's not great, but it's it's not that bad. I just don't understand how something this bad is getting produced by a major network unless unless there's like a whole different set of people that work on Peacock. I don't know. I don't understand Peacock. Like, does it just exist so in case cable goes away forever, NBC has somewhere to put their stuff? Like, I don't even know why we have... No, I, I no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's whoa, so whoa. bad. Whoa, 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 whoa. Peacock fundamental. I mean, any, all the networks understand that you need to have at least one foot in the digital space. And that's what Peacock is for NBC. Now, right now, are they investing everything into the Peacock original content? Probably not. But you definitely, they definitely need that space for the future. Absolutely. Yeah, I I mean I get that. I, but it just as a placeholder as it exists currently, the content, oh, yeah. well, the content yeah. well, that well, is sure. being put on there is like don't even definitely watch Girls Five Eva and then just don't ever look at Peacock again until I tell you because I will again, this is like we watch everything so you don't have to. 
don't even bother. I will say, so this show gets one star as well. I'm going one star for both of my shows. Um, I'm definitely punting on this one. I think I got through like three episodes and had to just send it off into the sunset. However, I was discussing this with second shout out of the week, Haley Doma and Cruel Summer is a show that I think people should watch. I believe I gave it three and a half stars. This is um, f- ooh, Freeform, but it's on Hulu. This is on Hulu. It is a show that I liked, but I also watched it week to week. And as a binge show, I'm hearing rave reviews. Not necessarily, again, for the Jack Ferris's of the world, but Cruel Summer, it's good. It's out there for you if you want an eight-episode binge. It's, again, it's a teen drama mystery kind of thing, but it's good. Absolutely choose to watch that show and absolutely do not watch One of Us is Lying. That is my teen report card of the week. Um, do you have a third rec? No, 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 I no. I was going to say, I'm actually not even going to let you, if you did, I think, no, it's, you know, actually, time. I have a zero. Have we ever given a zero star? Oh, Space Jam. Yeah, I was going to say you gave one to Space Jam. Um, avocados from Trader Joe's. What? I love Trader Joe's more than probably anyone should. Their avocados are the, the absolute worst. The one you're holding in your hand looks fine. Uh, I wish you were here to like, you know, how like a good avocado. You just sink your spoon into it. You're Yeah. You're off cam. Oh, I, this is I have, this is I going on Instagram, but unfortunately, this is also going on the pod. So for the listeners who have made it, you're still off cam. I mean, you're look, on cam, but the look, avocado. Okay, look, okay, okay. I am applying force to this spoon, and it's not going in at all. It's rock hard, trash avocado. But you were supposed to wait for it to be ripe. Is this user error? What do you mean? When I buy an avocado, it should be ready to rock. <laughs> no. Wait, no, that's not always how it works. You have to wait. wait. For the... Yeah. <laughs> no, they There's... wait for me. I buy them and I go. So avocados. There's like, sometimes there's an already ripe section at the grocery store. You clearly got this one from, wait, no, you're just hurting the avocado. Okay. I'm hurting the avocado. Well, I'm just, I just, it's fine. It's it fine. Like pita for avocado. Um, they're not you're pets. Su- <laughs> you're supposed to to buy one that's ripe. Oh my gosh, I'm crying. You're supposed to buy one that's ripe already, or wait for it to ripen in your kitchen. I don't know what to tell you. These, <laughs> I mean, I bought these yesterday. They're still rock hard. I think you have to be a little more patient. I think you have to wait a little longer. Well, I mean, okay. how long? I we're going to Google it, but I think you got to wait a few days. Sometimes you just, you just, you just squeeze them every now and then. And then when they're soft, they'll tell you, they'll tell you they're ready to go. All right. Enjoy your dinner. What are you making with avocados or just eating on the podcast now? Okay. You want to just wave goodbye? I just put some chicken thing in the oven. Bye. Okay. We'll see you next week. Hopefully the avocados will be right by then. (laughs) 